0: Welcome to the About Seth podcast, where we're talking all things Seth Godin. Following on from the previous episode, Knock Knock, which was Seth Godin's incomplete guide to building websites that work, today we're talking about Who's There, the sequel, and titled Seth Godin's incomplete guide to blogs and the new web. So Seth starts off this ebook. Oh, I should mention as well, this is another freebie. You can download this from www.aboutseth.com/free to check it out for yourself. It's about a forty-five page PDF. So I'll go through my summary of the best bits of Who's There, Seth Godin's incomplete guide to blogs and the new web. And he starts off by saying just about everything that the web was built on is disappearing fast. If you're confused, join the club. The rules are different and everything is new. So Seth tells us that this uh, free PDF, is it's not an FAQ, it's not a, a Bible, he says, and he says it's incomplete, as the subtitle suggests. But he does promise that it will help us understand a few simple rules that will make it clear what is at stake and how it works. So your goals... He's got four goals here and if these aren't your goals uh, and you don't want to accomplish these things, then stop reading and ask for a refund, which uh, it's probably funny when you read it for yourself because obviously it's it's a free PDF. So if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to give you these four goals. If these four goals aren't your goals, then feel free to skip to the next episode, stop listening and ask for a refund on this podcast so number one is understand how and why mainstream media is dying goal number two is to figure out why your organization needs a fundamentally different approach to the web goal three embrace the fact that you can't just change your tactics the truth of what you do and who you are has to change as well and goal four is realize that all of this is very inexpensive and very quick But the hardest part is finding the will to do it and the will to do it right. So hopefully those are four goals, four things you want to learn a little bit more about. If so, listen on. If not, skip to the next episode and ask for a refund. Or definitely uh, grab the book for yourself, the free PDF. The first truth, clutter. The amount of noise we're living with is exploding. There's an exponential increase but we're not noticing it because it's happening a little bit at a time. There are more and more people vying for that fixed amount of focus and attention. If you apply for a job, so do 100 other people. If you bid for an eBay auction, so do 1,000 other people. If If you want people to visit your blog or website, so do a million other people. No one cares about you and almost no one even knows that you exist. The second truth is quality. More stuff is better for everyone. With more stuff, everything either becomes better in quality or cheaper in price. Nowhere is this more evident than online. 20 years ago, it just wasn't there. Now, every day, we are getting more and more stuff online. It's all getting better or cheaper or sometimes even free. As a result, people have become extremely picky. Most of the time... We pick the things that are the closest, or the cheapest, or the most convenient. But when we really care about something, we do what we can to find the absolute best. The third truth is selfishness. Bloggers are selfless. They share each other's content, they link to their favorite blogs, they generously help each other out where they can. Bloggers are selfless, but blog readers are selfish. Blog readers have so many choices and so much to read, but so little time to read it in. Readers are strict about what they shortlist, they mercilessly delete a blog if posts become irrelevant to them, and they're always ready to flee your blog because there are millions of other options. So just as I'm talking about this, I'm also thinking not only is this true for a blog, but it's true for a whole bunch of other things as well. I'm sure you can think of how this would relate to you. I'm thinking specifically for myself as I'm recording a podcast. This is extremely true with podcasts. The first truth, clutter. There's so many more podcasts getting added every single day. The second truth is quality in that, yes, it's very easy to make a podcast, uh, and but the best podcasts are getting better and better quality. And the third is selfishness in that podcasters like to share each other's podcasts but podcast listeners are selfish they're very strict with what they listen to what they shortlist and they definitely can ditch a podcast very quickly so the next section he Seth uh, says here are a few definitions so this was written back in 2005 I believe let me just uh, check that 2005 and so there's a few uh, definitions that he breaks down here it might sound obvious now, but remembering back a, uh, over a decade ago. So he says a blog is a web page that you can build and update whenever you like with no technical know how. The things that make it a blog rather than a web page is that it has, firstly, time stamped snippets, and secondly, posts presented in reverse chronological order. So a blog unfolds over time with the most recent posts at the top. RSS, probably less relevant today as well, is it's a system that allows a blog or a website to alert an RSS reader that uh, the blog has been updated and there's a new, podca- uh, a new blog ready. So I was foreseeing the next definition, which he says is podcasting, in that it's a podcast is basically a blog uh, that's a sound file. It's basically an audio version of a blog. So you can check out he's got a, a whole bunch of other definitions there uh he's got ping trackbacks irc a few things are, are less important less important today in my opinion so let's get into the three different types of blogs so seth says there are two types of people in the world uh there are those that believe there are two types of people in the world and those that don't <laughs> but he says uh truly there are uh a, there are only three types of blogs so one, he terms cat blogs. So these cat blogs, they're blogs for and about the person blogging. It's essentially uh, your own diary, but it's a public version in that, yeah, you know, you you blog about your cat or your boss or a fight you had with your, your spouse. And generally, you're not needing or wanting strangers to read this. So if you've got a cat blog, you should embrace this fact and stop wondering where all the traffic is. You already have what you want. You've got that public version of your diary, and it's there. The second type is a boss blog, and that's used to communicate to a defined circle of people. For example, the way a boss would communicate with his direct reports. So you should try using a boss blog for your projects so that people who care about the project are kept up to date with what's happening. If you have either a cat blog or a boss blog, Seth says that you can probably stop reading that ebook now or stop listening to this podcast now because you already know who the audience should be, you already know who should be reading it and you have the means to contact these people because either it's your direct circle or people involved in a project. The third type is a viral blog and this is what people usually think of when they think of a blog. The goal is to spread ideas. Viral blogs can be made by individuals or organisations trying to share their ideas and agendas. The blogger is investing their time and energy to get their idea out there. There are many reasons for going for a viral blog, including, but not limited to, getting consulting work, influencing votes in an election, to find new customers for a business, or to make it easier for existing customers to feel good about staying. What's even better than the ability for one person to have an audience of thousands of people is the ability for a blog with good ideas to influence millions, even if they have never read your original post. Because creating an idea that spreads means that other bloggers will adopt and adapt your concepts and your content and continue to spread it further and further. And it's all about spreading it further and wider and having more impact. Basically, if you're writing for strangers, you're writing a viral blog. Now, a few principles. The first principle is to make your entries shorter. Also, you should use images and tone and design and interface to make your point. So teach people gradually. If you're writing for colleagues, you have a boss blog. And you can make your writing more robust, more direct, be specific, be clear, be intellectually rigorous, and leave no wiggle room. (laughs) Note, the stuff you're putting on your marketing site or in your blog or even your brochures or in your business letters is too long. Too many unasked questions getting answered too soon. So it's a very, a broad rule for anyone who's writing anything. And important, figure out which of those three categories your blog falls into before putting your fingers to the keyboard and before typing one single letter or one single blog post. Next, we move on to a few laws of blogging. The first law, it's not who you are, it's what you say. It used to matter where the idea came from. If a message came from the mainstream media or from a large public company, it was likely to spread. Today, a good idea on a little blog has a very good chance of being spread. Bloggers are no longer outsiders. Your ideas now have value and respect from the general public, perhaps even more so than the mainstream media and big corporations. When there are only a few channels of communication, like a small number of TV or radio stations, the people with the channel had the power. Influence came from who you were. Today, with millions of blogs, just having a channel doesn't automatically give you power. Influence comes from what you say. People don't read lousy blogs or lousy posts. Good ideas spread, not so good ones, just sit there. And as a quick note, Seth doesn't mean good as a judgment, as in right or wrong. But rather he means good as in attractive to readers and sharers. As in a good idea is not something that's inherently right, but a good idea is something that spreads second law is actually, uh, it doesn't matter what you say. It matters who you are. (laughs) And I love how uh, Seth presents these ideas. And you get around to being like, yeah, I, I agree. It's not who you are. It's what you say. And then the next thing, he'll just flip it on its head after you've already believed him. And then he'll say, actually, no, it doesn't matter what you say. It matters who you are. So, <laughs> that's just another Sethism there. So, the second law, actually, it doesn't matter what you say, it matters who you are. So, Seth says, what I just in the first law? Yeah, that's, that's not, really, uh, not really true. It used to be, of course, but not anymore. At the beginning, it didn't matter who you were because blogs didn't have subscribers or people who believed in them or trusted them or were committed to them. Now, though, things are different. So bloggers with the following get the benefit of the doubt because they have a far bigger megaphone. By reaching more people, they're more likely to have their thoughts echoed and repeated. And they're going to be echoed and repeated more quickly and more regularly. Ideas that get echoed, get echoed. Uh, I guess the definition of a meme is an idea that spreads, and a meme will get talked about because everyone's talking about it, if that makes sense. So because everyone's talking about it, people are going to talk about it. The bloggers at the top of this pyramid who have earned themselves a following are more likely to spread spreadable ideas, which further reinforces their position at the top of the pyramid, or at least until their followers flee because the blogger becomes lazy or stupid or selfish. So, yes, it does matter who says it. Powerful bloggers are louder. And yes, the first two laws conflict, but at the same time, no, they sort of they sort of don't because the stickiness and the power are different than they used to be. The third law with and for instead of at and to. Social media blogging especially is social. It's not antiseptic or anonymous or corporate. The writing skills you've honed won't help you in blogging. If you write at your audience or even to your audience, you make it clear that you think that you are you and they are they. You think that they are others and you think that they belong to you almost. You think that they are your audience, but it's not your audience. If you talk as if they are not like you, you won't keep them. On TV or radio, you control your channel and your message and your audience. But in the world of blogging, your audience has their own audience. So the relationship between writer and reader dramatically changes. But it's not a dialogue between two people of equal authority either. It's a hub of conversation with the blogger at the center of the circle. So the blogger sets the agenda and has the power to have the last word which still makes them the the author, the publisher, the journalist, but the power to control the conversation beyond that point is drastically reduced because the audience can talk about it in their own blogs or they can comment or they can choose to ignore the blog altogether. The best blogs walk a very fine line between civility and anarchy, between passion and privacy. The best blogs start conversations They don't control them. The audience desperately wants you to be a leader, to stand for something, to speak up, to insert new ideas and challenging thoughts into their conversations. And remember the most important rule of all time is I'm busy. So if the audience is thinking I'm busy, it means if you weird them out or if you confuse them or disrespect them, they're going to be out of there. The fourth law, on the internet, everybody knows you're a dog. The cues online are subtler than they are in any other medium, but every little hint matters. You may believe that as a blogger you're anonymous, but you'd be wrong. Seth argues that everyone is hyper alert to distinguish the good from the bad and the real from the fake, so they notice things when they need to. They notice which hosting service you use. They notice the email address you use. They notice the font on the home page when they need to. How many times have you left a web page before you even bothered to read a sentence? You wouldn't let a, a doctor with a tongue piercing do heart surgery on you, and you're not going to believe what you read on a blog that looks like a cat threw up on it. Perhaps faking it online is actually harder than in the real world. Your online presence must be consistent and authentic and honest over time, or your readers will flee. Now that we've finished those, those laws, there are five components of a great blog. Candor, urgency, timeliness, pithiness, controversy, and as a bonus sixth one, utility. If you can't be at least four of those five things listed, uh, please don't bother writing a blog. People have a choice. They've got millions and millions of choices, in fact. So nobody is going to read your blog, or link to your blog, or quote your blog, unless there's something in it for them. And Seth has a really good section on comments in the book, uh, but he probably tells it better himself. So maybe you should check out that ebook for yourself if you're interested and have some kind of uh, blog or podcast or something similar. Blogs are like movies, blogs work best when people read them over. One post isn't enough to make a difference, just as one frame isn't enough to make an award-winning movie. A blog is a chance to talk to people who want to listen, to aggregate an audience that wants to listen, and to spread your ideas, and for people to talk back to you. A blog allows you to be more patient and not to worry so much about that first impression. You're already in a relationship with your readers, As long as you understand that the minute you break your promise, that relationship is over. And the promise I'm referring to is the expectations you've allowed your readers to have of you. You can't write a blog that chronicles your healthy cooking experiments, and then you start relentlessly trying to sell a new brand of candy, because that's not the deal. You've made a deal with your audience that you're chronicling your healthy cooking experiments. Now, you can do whatever you want and write about whatever you want, but the expectations must be clear from the beginning. Your blog isn't for everyone, which is okay. And in fact, that's actually a good thing. As Seth always says, if you try to please everyone, you'll fail to please anyone. The next section is titled, So What? Every post on a viral blog should be designed to get you another subscription, another audience member. Every blog post should be designed to be important enough to get another blog to eagerly post or or to quote your or just even reprint the whole thing even. Every blog post will be read because the reader wants to read it not because the author wants you to read it. And as a small bonus Seth includes his most popular uh his most popular ever uh, post, and it's called Small is the New Big. And I'd say you should definitely read it. I'm going to put up a link to it. It's, uh, yeah. If you type in Seth Godin, Small is the New Big, you'll see it. He uh, even went on to write a, a whole book about it, but this is the most popular post ever. Maybe I'll do this as a separate episode. But the next section is called Talking and Listening. For a long time, marketing was about one thing talking talking at people with radio or TV ads and billboards or posters, then marketers realized they were actually missing something, and that was listening. We started seeing focus groups. Companies said that they were listening, but they were just, I guess, trying to justify uh, what they were doing in the first place. And They would set what they wanted to talk about. They would get a focus group to, I guess, justify that they should be talking about it, but they weren't really listening. But ignoring your customers or your blog readers doesn't work anymore. Feedback loops are tight and word travels fast. You can ignore the market, but not for very long, because soon they'll be ignoring you. And so here's, I guess, a recap of how talking and listening have changed. Talking. Talking is the old ways of one-way communication, and it's being killed by clutter. Radio is down. TV is down. Newspapers and magazines are down. And almost out. Customers are ignoring you all the time. But it turns out that enabling your best customers to tell their friends is up, way up. Making remarkable stuff that's worth talking about is up. The most important talking is storytelling. Not top-down dictation, but stories that resonate. Stories that are authentic. Stories that spread. And listening, skewed focus groups are down, unfiltered, non-anonymous blog feedback is up, listening at your call center is up, rapid product cycles that involve users in product design are up, so is open source, in which users are the designers, talking directly to your publicly unhappy customers is up too platforms are the next big thing because they enable you to build tools that make it easy for your clients and or your customers to talk and listen blogging then is a platform that enables your organization to talk to people that want to hear you the blog of your clients and your users and your customers are the way they talk back to you the question is whether you're willing to listen and to take action And the final section is titled, And What Now? If you care about personal brand and career and impact, you need a blog. And you should start the cycle of getting better at blogging now. Being better has nothing to do with following conventions. It's not about how standardized your blog role is or how frequently you post or how well you maintain your comment or track back hygiene. They are all the distractions on the way to building what you actually need. What you need is a committed group of subscribers, a substantial and influential audience that will stick with you as you tell your story. Measure yourself on what gets linked and what gets commented on and what spreads. Measure yourself on what leads to more and better subscribers. Then, over time, take your readers on a journey. Teach them what you'd like them to know, and the rest will take care of itself. So perhaps if you haven't got a blog already, it's time to start working on a blog and time to start that cycle of getting better at blogging. So that brings us to the end of Who's There? Obviously, the sequel to Knock Knock. So that was Who's There? Uh, Seth Godin's incomplete guide to blogs and the new web. As I mentioned at the top, this is a free PDF, so to check it out for yourself, head to www.aboutseth.com slash free and look for, it's like an orange cover with uh, the title, Who's There? Thank you for listening to the About Seth podcast. I hope you learned something along the way. I strongly urge you to check out more Seth Godin. You could either buy one of his books, check out one of his TED Talks, or subscribe to his daily blog. Or go to aboutseth.com.